0: In the sports talk radio justice world, mediocre quarterback play and porous tackling are considered especially heinous. On the Lance J Show, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad at Paragon Seven Studios. These are their stories. You know that I love to have CEOs and I love to have people in to discuss their background, and and I really love talking to innovators in the healthcare space. As someone that spent many years retrieving charts and coding charts and, and doing quality reviews for, for Medicare and Medicaid. It's always good to talk to somebody that has a, a background with that. So I have I have Kyle Savestro and he's coming in today. Now he's going to talk about value-based care and value-based care is very important to me. I think that when I grew up as a risk adjustment and HEDIS Executive. I learned that everything starts at the value-based care model, that it's all about the way that you work with the the payer relationship with the provider. So I'm very happy to have Kyle on the show. He's gonna kind of talk about his experience and, and give us some nuggets of wisdom from his time in, in the industry. Really appreciate your time. Kyle, um, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me today. Looking forward to today's discussion.
0: Absolutely. Now tell us a little bit about your background. We we have a lot of healthcare alliances and, and sponsorships. I'm a I'm a I'm a heatest guy and a and a stars guy and a risk adjustment guy. So I spent so many years getting into charts, retrieval, and coding. I know that your organization is very proficient with NLP. And, and you guys are really big on innovation and technology. But tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this business. Um, you've had a very long and storied career. Tell us a little bit about your background and leadership style.
1: Yeah, I've been in healthcare almost twenty years. Uh, I started healthcare in a very unique space uh, in the clinical content area. I was running the uh, national sales program for somebody that was competing against uh, InterQual and Milliman, a company called the Oak Group at the time. And we were looking at um, healthcare from a really a different perspective, and as an outsider looking um, in at healthcare, um, and getting a very unique view into uh, really quality care models, and um, you know what's effective in care, what's what's utilization, what's appropriateness, right? And as an outsider, um, I was able, you know, I wasn't able to get any certifications, but I ended up putting myself through the National Professional Healthcare Quality Certification. So I've been thinking about quality, comprehensive case management, disease management, right, for the better part of 20 years. Um, and I saw, it, you know, as I worked with organizations like Harvard, uh, Brigham Women's, Mass General, and others, that we were just sitting here with this catcher's mitt on, waiting for patients to show up in the ER. And rather than prospectively treating patients. Right in the community, it was called disease management at the time, which now moved to population health. Right, right. We were just waiting for patients to show up, and they were the sickest, most yeah. expensive patients that are coming in the door. And we didn't have a good way to prospectively be able to manage those populations. Um, nor did we have a good way, or case managers have a good way, to be able to effectively get the data and access information and communicate with the, with the patients. Uh shortly thereafter a friend of mine had just got a job at a at a company she defined as a think tank which was a, a group called language and computing which was one of the pioneers in the natural language processing space. Um I saw it I said this is the holy grail. We can reduce a bill a trillion dollars out of healthcare today if we were to look at implementing a technology like this. Mm-hmm. That would mean every single person in America would be able to get healthcare for free if we did that. Um so I sold my, sold my position in a company and got a job for the first
0: time uh, in a long time. Give us a synopsis on what natural language processing is.
1: Yeah. So the way I define NLP is we've essentially taught the computer to read and understand human language and specifically within the medical domain. So and that's what natural language processing is. It's a branch of AI um, that's been around for 50 plus years but is really now gaining gaining uh, prominence, you know, as we realize that, you know, eighty plus percent of healthcare data is locked in what we call unstructured data, which right. are going to be PDFs, Word documents, uh, free text notes, and EMRs.
0: Now, I, I used to hate when I was on that side of the table, when I was running quality teams, I, I hated the unstructured data that was so difficult to get into CMS or get into NCQA. And then having to explain that to a board of directors or a provider group or maybe underperforming about about getting the data and getting it structured. Tell us about. Natural language processing and how it's important for value-based care. Uh, I wanted to have you especially want to discuss the value-based care models. Um, when I was exiting my executive tenure in the industry, we were really, I spent a lot of time writing value-based care models for, for risk adjustment programs, for HEDIS programs, for clinical quality programs, even for CAPS and high surveys. Tell us why technology is so important with value-based care models on a move forward basis.
1: So in America today, we produce to the order of four to five billion pages of medical information annually. That medical information is needed 20 to 30 ways downstream. So after that encounter happens, the encounter has to get built, so it has to go to coding. Maybe that person is part of the risk-adjusted population, so you're going to have to have an additional set of eyes looking at it from a risk-adjusted standpoint. That person might also fall in a, a HEDIS guideline. Right. You might also be reporting on outcomes for STARS. You might also be filling out an adverse event report within that patient. There might also be a, a referral to a, uh, a surgical specialist. There might be a referral to a radiologist. All of that comes out of one document. That one document now has to be read, in the case I just used, by eight different people reading the same information. So it's like taking the same book and handing it to, you know, eight people and say, read. Um, It doesn't make sense. It it is not a scalable, efficient model. It is what is leading to the $500 billion in fraud that we see every year. It's leading to the inefficiencies that we see every year. It's adding to the administrative burden of hospitals and executives. Until we can get to the point where we touch a document once, Right. And we create this publishing system, which is exactly what we do at SciChew, where you're now pushing that data to the individuals that need it. So rather than having read a 4,000 page novel every single time to uncover the history, you're pushing out data to the appropriate people. So if you're in risk adjustment, you're getting, you know, risk adjustable ICD 10 codes, right, that are being presented to the end user to review rather than hunting for them in that 4,000 page file. In the case of the HEDIS measures, you're getting the ICD, uh, ICD, CBT, and HIPPIC codes that are associated with the specific measures. As you're thinking about the populations around social determinants of health, you're getting the social data coming out of that. So one document, 20 use cases downstream, which creates this exponential uplift on an enterprise basis, We're, You know, empowering multiple agencies within an organization to not only cut costs but increase RRI per individual. Um, and do that in a way that you're going to create interoperability. You're going to create an actual foundational data model that is going to benefit your organization as we go into the net, you know future generation.
0: AI technology, how is that the final frontier of healthcare as we get into a post-COVID society?
1: Uh, I think there's a little bit more hype right now around AI than there is true actuality here. Interesting. Um. So we have to understand, right, artificial intelligence, what is it? It's a computer that's trying to, you know, we're trying to replicate a human mind, you know, or trying to replicate a brain. The problem right now that I think a lot of people forget is this is based upon models, right? It's based upon information. If that information being fed into these models, these AI, is wrong, you're building a house of cards. That's true. And unfortunately, you're seeing that, I'm seeing that occur too often, right? Because what data is currently available to people? Building data in most cases, right? So you're just taking different, you know, different color lipstick and putting it, you know, putting it on the individual just by the slant. You're missing 80% of the information. And if you look at coding teams, coding teams are 60, percent consistent. Meaning 30 to 35% of the time that documents are coded, it's not justifiable. You can't repeat that process. So if you're using claims and billing data to be able to build AI models, you're building it on a house of cards. You're building it on an unsolid foundation that's inherently inaccurate and incomplete. And it's unfortunate because a lot of time and energy is being spent around that. You really need to think about a true longitudinal, semantically interoperable, accurate health records When you can get there, which a lot of our clients use us exactly for this purpose, now what you're building on are really a solid foundation that you actually have the ability to scale into the future and be able to actually utilize, essentially democratize the data within an enterprise you know, and be able to leverage that in the future rather than that being a burden in the future. So I think organizations need to think through that because so much of the data in healthcare is dirty, meaning it's a PDF, it's a a, a Word document, it's a CCDA. And unless you have a way to standardize that all of that information and drop that into a longitudinal model, you know, there's challenges. So there's great opportunity in AI. It will make discoveries where we thought we had the answers today, and it will tell us that we were wrong. And it will give us new insights and knowledge, but we have to be pragmatic in looking at it. Hmm. It's just you know it's not going to solve all of the world's problems um, until you really have some foundational layers underneath it. And that would be my my advice you know advice and That's guidance. Fantastic. Is there's huge power in this, but you have to understand what are you dealing with? You're dealing with really really dirty unstructured information, and AI by itself, machine learning by itself, it's not inherently good at that. So you have to use combinations of technology to create that foundation. Nah. So that would that would be my, my advice and guidance.
0: Yeah, fan, fantastic uh, interview, Kyle. We always give, I always when I have a guest in. We say, what's your social, not just social security, but what's your social media? Where can we find your company, you personally? Are you a LinkedIn guy? Are you a, are you a, a YouTube guy? Are you an Instagram guy? Where can we find you and your company and reach out to you if there are any questions or if there's a plan out there that, that wants to talk to you about uh, doing some business?
1: You can find us at com, which is S-Y-T-R-U-E.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn at Kyle Silvestro. Um, I believe I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that name. <laughs> so you can find me there. Outside of that, I, I don't use any other social media. I'm God. I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. You
0: are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. the first lieutenant of the Universal flip mode Squad. You know what? I didn't tell you this, Slant. I went to Hampton. What? What? Yeah, I went to Hampton you. You went to Hampton? Yep. Man, you, we've been doing a show together for a whole year. You just pull it out that you went to Hampton? I never went to class. I was just Oh, uh, so you so you enrolled at Hampton? James Lewis. You didn't I enrolled actually, at Hampton. You didn't actually go to Hampton. Well, I had a couple of good friends. They all went to Hampton, but and I was just sleeping on their couch, so. I went to some of the classes. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. This is Lance J for MedHealth Clinical. When was the last time you had an annual wellness visit? MedHealth is currently accepting new patients and all major insurance carriers, including Medicare. This experienced team focuses on wellness and disease prevention while developing personalized care plans that mitigate chronic conditions and encourage holistic wellness. To learn more, go to medhealthclinic.com. That's medhealthclinic.com for primary care that's always there. Do you owe the
1: IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-520-0735. 800-520-0735. That's 800-520-0735.
0: As a former quality executive who has literally retrieved and coded millions of charts, I've worked with our new partners over at Episource for many years and am proud to now serve as a brand ambassador and part of their product development team. Episource is a global industry leader in chart retrieval, coding, quality analytics, and in-home assessments. For information on Episource, go to www.episource.com and fill out one of their contact forms to request a demonstration.